Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man、Mr. who、Green. wants to learn about personal、What's、growth, life lessons, and leadership, right, tune、That's、in to Essential Eleven: Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Uh, let's yeah, good question. It's kind of like、uh, probably thirty minutes west of Pigeon Forge. So you're、uh, you are. I'm I'm still bad at geography, but you're le- you're less than two hours from my farm right now. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, man, not far away, not far away at all. How long are you?、Uh, how long are you hanging out there? Today and tomorrow, and then I fly to Hawaii on Wednesday. Okay, you there for there for an event? I was here looking at. I have some cabins out here, and the、okay. property manager hasn't been doing a great job with them. So I'm gonna hire a guy to take it over, and he's just gonna work in house.、So. I met him when we went and looked at all the different cabins that are、uh, that I've got and came up with a plan for what we do to improve performance. That's awesome, man. That's a great spot. Yeah, it's not、uh, it's not far because we're in、uh, we're in Western North Carolina now. So if you're coming back out this way, man, let me know. Have you、uh, have you come by the farm, man? Been- I'm planning on coming out here a lot more. I think I'm going to be selling property out in this area. Just, are you? I, the South is the future right now of the United States. So. It is, man, and it's and it is the current、um, where I am right now. You got to come out to the farm, man. You got to、right. get you out here.、It'd、be fun, man.、It'd、be fun to have you, dude. It's good to see you. It's been、uh, been a little bit. I was looking back at we've. I, I don't even know now. We've had Spotify and iTunes have they ripped down about a hundred and fifty episodes at one point that we were recovering and putting back up. But like over the course, I, I think we're three hundred and some odd, maybe close to four hundred episodes in. And I believe you were episode like two. Yeah, it was one of the earlier ones. That's right. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty impressive, though, that you ripped off that many podcast episodes. It's kind of, it's kind of. Oh, we've been going, we've been, we've been going bananas, man. But it's been,、uh, it's been super solid. But I don't think I haven't actually seen you, seen you,、um, since the TEDx. Yeah, I got a much bigger beard than I had before, man. It's like got a much bigger beard now. Yeah, it's looking I've good. Had- Got to learn how to take care of it. I kind of just let it grow and trim it up a little bit. It, you, I thought in my mind it would grow evenly, but it、yeah. doesn't. It's like little scragglers come out at times. So to keep it clean, you got to shave the scragglers, but then it doesn't come out. It just goes down, right? So、Absolutely. there's some like, geometry to this thing that needs to be figured out. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. This it's like another child.、Uh, <laughs> it, it takes it takes that much time and intensive work, man, for sure. Like this thing will go. Homeless or Al Qaeda in、uh, in a matter of minutes if I'm not on it. So, hundred percent, man. Dude, hey, thank you for、uh, for taking some time and and jumping on here, man. It's fun to、uh, fun to have you back on. It's fun to have you with the men that、uh, that Tim and I get to hang out with. And these guys are just a bunch of freaking killers from、uh, from all over the world. And so they're gonna they're gonna come in and have all the good questions, man. But it's fun to、uh, fun to reconnect, brother. Dude,、uh, I I can't wait. Yeah, this is this is great, man. And and.、Uh, I want. I mean, they, everybody know. People, everybody knows that. I don't need to do like a a whole lot of intros. Some people may jump on thinking, "Oh, cool, yeah. How long has this guy been the CEO of of Hobby Lobby?" Because、um, some. Do you get that? Do you get that sometimes?、Do、It's starting、that? to come up more now than it ever did before.、Yeah. Okay, okay, dude. Because I got real. I mean, I've talked to that guy one time,、um, and I got to, and I'm like, good. Seemed like a good dude, and we had a good conversation. But I'm like, ah, he's still second. Still second for me on、uh, on the David Green list. Well, thank you for that. There's a guy that used to host、uh, NPR Radio, whose name is also David Green. Is that right? So that one comes up sometimes too. 
That's so funny, man. That's awesome. So, um, I mean, everybody knows who you are. These guys know what's going on. These guys know what kind of things you're up to, but I want to just kind of dive into um, what you are doing now. Like what does the day, cause you guys, you gentlemen, I, I want you guys to be able to ask whatever questions are on your mind. I want you guys to be able to ask um, things that are, you know, kind of personal to you and things you want to know, but I want to find out like what you're doing now. I mean, aside from you know, you've always got bestsellers and the next bestseller. And I mean, you're the podcast is just continues to crush. I mean, you like you're not hurting for things to do. So I'm interested in what you are doing, what you're prioritizing. Um, let's just kind of talk some of the day to day right now, man. Uh, it will probably surprise some of you guys. And that's a good question you're asking, because I don't talk about this stuff very often. Most of the time, it's just going to be, you know, you're bringing real estate, you're bringing value to people because that's what they want to know. Most guys and most people are going to listen to me because they want to know how do you be rich? What do, how do you get money? How do I get more money? So that's where most people are going to bring the conversation, but like a lot of things in life, Matt, the key to doing better at what you want is very rarely found in knowledge. It's not that there's that saying, I think Derek Derek Sivers has a saying that if knowledge was the answer, we would all be millionaires with a six pack. Everyone knows what you're supposed to do, okay? What I have found is that the battle is fought in removing the habits, the beliefs, the perspectives, the areas that Satan's got you by the balls, whatever it is that stops you from doing the things that are going to get you what you want. So most people know if I want a good relationship, I'm going to need to show up for the woman I'm with. But there is a part of us that does not want to do that. There's a part of us that believes there's a girl out there that's not going to ask me to show up for her and I'm just going to wait for her. And and I, and frankly, you see this a lot with women to the single guys that are out there when you're dating nowadays, women have to do things too, to make a relationship work. And it's very common, especially for the prettier ones to think, no, 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 there's a way I can find a guy that I don't have to do those things. Um, there's a, there's a, I, I call them comforting lies. Like most of my day right now is spent examining a lot of the things that I was taught by, uh, and sometimes in good conscience by the church, by religious folks, mm. by American culture that says, hey, this is the way the world works. If you do A, you're going to get B, and then that didn't happen. For a lot of people, it doesn't happen. Okay, so for example, you may have heard me say you need to work hard if you want to become wealthy. And that is true. You do have to be a hard worker, but it's not only hard work that's going to get you there. So if you stay working really hard, digging ditches at a farm somewhere, and you never ask the farmer, what else can I learn? What more can I do? How can I bring additional value? Because to do that would cause you to have to grow. And you're subconsciously trying to avoid anything that's going to expose the wounds you had as a kid where uh, you didn't have someone that brought you into the world and showed you how to do it the right way. So you just stayed in your lane of what you're comfortable with and says, I'm just going to work really hard and I'm going to keep doing this. And someday my time will come. It's like the girl who's sitting out there say, someday my prince will come and she's not doing anything to make herself the kind of a woman that a guy would want to marry. So uh, the, the long answer to what you're saying is I spent a lot of my time right now having conversations and thinking about how many things have I been taught that sit in my mind that are not true? The world does not work that way. That is not how gravity works. That is not how physics work. But someone explained, hey, if you do these things, God will reward you for being the right person with, with earthly wealth, with uh, whatever it is that you're looking for, a great body, a great relationship. For the most part, I think a lot of people want the same things. And uh, it's just disturbing when you recognize how little of what I was taught over the course of my life actually shakes out to work in practical terms. It's that there's an idealization that I think has made its way into the church and into the American culture 
that if you do all these things, you will get the perfect fill in the blank, shiny object that you really like. And a lot of the, the, uh, the reality is I would have to change my habits. I'd have to change what I'm doing. I'd have to change how I'm thinking if I wanted to earn that thing that's out there. And it's not the juice isn't always worth the squeeze, right? Let's say you wanted a six pack and you're like, I'm just determined to get this six pack. You could probably get it, but you might have to adjust your schedule. You might have to spend half your day meal prepping. You might have to avoid ever being around bad foods and you could get it, but it would come at the cost of the work you have to do, the relationship you have with your kids, the relationship you have with your wife, the other skills you're trying to build. And so to get that thing, would it really be worth it? And I know me for one, when you come from a place of pain, which I did, you don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what's the life that I want to build. You're just like, I want to get out of where I am. I got to get out of this place and I got to get somewhere else. So I'm kind of at a season in my life right now where there's a lot of pruning that's going on. Uh, there's relationships I've had with people that that didn't shape out to be the way that I had envisioned them being. And I'm realizing our values were not aligned like I thought that they were. Yeah. Um, the economic world is certainly shifting the ways that I've made money in the past. You can't really make money in those ways. It's very, very difficult. And that's probably likely to continue happening. So it's, it's halfway between trying to have my life pruned in a way that would put me closer in line to what I believe God intended for us to live like and trying to get in line with that. And at the same time, having to face a lot of those, those inner demons that I talked about earlier that are stopping us from having the life that we want. I think I, it looked like I was just skyrocketing, doing great, but that carpet can get ripped out from underneath you pretty quick. And uh, it can be painful, but also I think as you recognize, pain is one of the biggest incentivizing fuels, maybe, maybe the best one there. that lives in the world. Good for you, man. How are you feeling about that? And that seems like a, a big metaphysical question, but I'm, you just unpacked one of the things that i mean it resonates with every single man here on this on this call because we're taking a very specific look at our lives under a microscope every single month in a specific spot right so we've got 12 months each month it is designed to go okay you're not going to fix every single thing in your life but we're going to take a very big um just just hairy nasty view at this part of your life right here are you doing well are you not and if not well, let's talk about the habits. If not, let's talk about questioning what you've always quote unquote known. And let's see if you really know what you know. And let's dive in and let's start to question these things and let's start to under. So, but there are parts of that for these guys as they go through the journey where they get to a specific month and they're like, oh, okay, this one actually hurts a little bit right here. And that's where we see, quite frankly, that's where we see some guys go, ah, I, I'm going to have to check out right now. It's like, yep, I get it. So, how are you feeling? as you're kind of pulling at these strings, is it scary? Is it invigorating? Is it in like infuriating? Um, maybe yeah. all of above? There's, there's a lot of that. That's a really good way to put it. It's you feel betrayed in a sense, like mm -hmm. this is what I always was told. And, and, and for me, it worked out in a really good way too. So like, there's an element of like, man, I really thought I had some things in life figured out. Now it seems like everything I figured out is useless. Like the game that I learned to play, they changed the rules. And now you got to learn to play the game a completely different way. Maybe the same way that it would feel if you had constructed an NFL team that was incredible. And then the next year they changed the rules. You couldn't touch the quarterback. You couldn't touch the wide receivers. And this really great run game and defense that you had built and invested all this money into, it yeah. changed like that. And uh, you realize, you know, I should have thought about that. There's nothing that says that they can't change the rules. But I was operating as if this is the way you play football. And I put all my effort and attention into playing football this way. 
Yeah. And so, and, and honestly, man, I think that this is happening to a lot of men, a lot of women in our country that we have been fed this message that if you're a good little boy or if you're a good little girl, really, if you don't do the bad things, okay, don't do drugs, don't lie, don't cheat, you will get the perfect spouse that you're never going to have to fight with. You'll find someone who's going to love you for who you are. You'll find financial prosperity. Like if you just don't do the bad stuff, good things are coming your way. And I've seen people getting laid off that were that were good workers. They get laid off along with the shit workers, mm. the people that had figured out a way to game the system and work two hours out of their eight hour day. And they had bragged about it because they had automated what they're supposed to do. And they weren't really focusing like the TED talk I did with you is about building skills. Mm. That is an important thing to have is the art of building a skill. People have taken that granted when the economy was doing really, really well. I think a lot of women in our society and I know that this can be offensive and I don't mean it to be, but they've been sold this dream that they can go uh, compete with us. They can go get a job, climb the corporate ladder, become masculine really in a lot of ways, become independent and uh, argumentative and very opinionated. And, and they want to compete with men and that, and that when they hit 34, 35, 36, they would just be like, all right, now I'm ready for my Prince Charming and to have my family and to have my my kids. And I've done everything I wanted to do. Where's the thing that I was owed? And they're finding out that, oh, that's not really something that guys that are looking to start families are looking for. They're not looking for a girl that's already a millionaire or already can make her own living and can be independent and doesn't need a guy. And I think they're like really struggling with a lot of resentment in that area too, that I did what I was told. I did what I, what society said you're supposed to do. And I did it well. Where's my prize? And the men are like, well, I'm kind of looking at the 24 year olds that can still have a lot of kids and hasn't already been, you know, with 80 different men at this point or whatever the case is. And so they're struggling with bitterness. And then you got all the guys that are trying to find a girlfriend and they're having a really hard time. I don't know if you guys pay attention to this, but like between the dating apps, and the social media, the women that are out there are single that they've got a lot of options. They're getting a ton of attention. I mean, I don't know why we haven't talked about it, but I think there's women that are addicted to attention. Like they get dopamine from that just as much as men that are addicted to porn, yep. right? Imagine a guy getting paid to watch porn. That's what you see a lot of women doing on OnlyFans. Like they're getting all the attention from men and they're getting money for it. And they're just taking that inventory right out of the market. You're looking to get married. You're looking to start a family. You're looking around like, well, who can I marry? Right. The, the pretty girls that would make a good wife, they're out there addicted to attention from other men and living a fast life. And and the ones that aren't doing that, they're just really mopey and negative and angry at men in general. It's very I mean, maybe in the South, it's not as prevalent, but certainly in California, you see that. And uh, and now it's happening in the workplace, too. Right. Like we're all competing over these assets in the real estate market. And there's not a lot of them to get. And inflation has ripped through the money that's out there. Uh, I, I don't know why people don't talk about it more, which is probably why I started the conversation on this topic. So good. So good, though, man. Um, I mean, really. And I had no idea that obviously that we would uh, we would take in this direction. But I, I love the direction, man. So for you personally, as you're seeing all this play out, because what you're talking about um, is a multifaceted thing. It's a it's a there's a lot of symptom. Um, how should I say it? There's a lot of uh, symptoms of the same disease. Right. But the symptoms are playing out uh, in the financial world, in the yeah. space. They're playing out in the personal you know, relationship space. They're pay playing out in this spiritual, you know, in this spiritual war that we're seeing. So how are our how are you looking at that and going, OK, well, here's where I'm here's where I'm pivoting. Right. Or maybe that's not even the right word for you. And yeah. That's a good way to put it. Is, right. Like, how are you looking at it going? Okay. So from a financial standpoint, then, or an economic business standpoint, 
here's kind of a pivot. But personal relationship standpoint, here's sort of a pivot. Spiritual standpoint, here's sort of like, how are you looking at those areas? The first thing that I think is difficult to wrestle with as a man, it's only men on the call, I'm assuming, right? This is only men on the call. Yes, sir. Oh God, I just realized there could be OnlyFans models on this oh, call. None are... <laughs> <laughs> of you guys should be selling your feet pictures on OnlyFans. Let me just make that clear right now. So, <laughs> Mr. Probilski, that was for you, sir. You heard it. No, no feet, sir. Okay. I think as a man, it is it is very challenging and difficult to accept that you are in a war. Especially when the economy is doing very well and we live in such a comforting society, it, they're comforting lies. We are sold things that are not factually true. They are not in line with the nature of how I, I say it's how God made man to live. Uh, some people may look at it like we haven't evolved into looking that way. There's different perspectives of trying to understand how we all got here and why we have the feelings that we have and how those things play into life. But it is difficult to accept the reality that every day you are competing with other people. So in the real estate space, I see this all the time. There is a handful of assets that everybody wants, and you are in a literal competition to get them. And that is an uncomfortable feeling if you were not raised to be comfortable with competition. First off, it is much, much safer, and it feels nicer to look at life like it's an egalitarian state, and we're all on the same team, and we're all just chummy. But you're when you're single, you're competing over the girls. When you are married, you are competing with the men that want to take your girl from you. And guys, if you don't think that that's happening, I promise you it's happening. And I'm not saying that I engage in it, but I know because those married women, those girls with boyfriends, when they run into me, will like absolutely ditch the dude if they think that they have a chance, if they see me as more successful, which side note is funny because if they run into me at Walmart, they don't know who I am. <laughs> I don't get any more attention than the next guy. But when you see somebody on the stage or you see their online presence, all of a sudden you look like a celebrity. And I, and I see women that have families that would absolutely throw it all away because they think they can get somebody better. And it's terrifying. Right? I'm not saying this out of bitterness. Like I can't get a girlfriend. It's more of all women are looking for the same 10% of guys. And if you fit in that 10%, you've got massive temptation that you're trying to struggle with. And if you fit in the 90%, you've got massive loneliness and hopelessness that you're trying to struggle with, right? It becomes very clear to me that we are in a competition. We just don't always see it. We're competing for, to keep the job we have when the cuts come, right? We're, we're competing every single day, which is, is similar to warfare. It's, it's not a nice, happy life that we're living in. Um, a lot of it in the relationships we're in, we're competing to get our needs met. But you find out that like it plays out when you're dating, but it also shows up in in a, in a marriage like an insulated relationship. Uh, most of the girls that you run across that are single, there's a subconscious battle going on where they're like, "How do I get his resources?" There's an acronym: meet, money, energy, attention, and time. How do I get him to pay attention to me, spend his money on me, take care of my needs, give me his time, give me his energy, without having to serve him? I don't want to have to submit to that guy. I don't want to have to earn the right to get those things. I don't want to have to win his heart so that he wants to protect me. How do I get him to protect me, but keep my freedom so that that guy can also protect me. And that guy can also provide for me. And I want to keep the door open in case something else better comes along. And then you switch it around and the men are doing the same thing. We're in a competition with the women. Like, how do I get sex from you without having to give up my resources, without having to give up my time, without having to give you a lot of attention? What's the cheapest restaurant I could get away with taking you to, or the least amount of time I'm just going to text, not call to get my needs because because I also want all these other girls over here. And there's like this disgusting, huge cesspool that the single people are living in that is an absolute war. You are at war with the opposite sex, unless you're into the same sex. And I don't know how that works, but I'm sure it's something similar is going to play out. And if you're in a marriage, I think it plays out in the family, right? 
you, you've, you've got a husband who's got desires of his heart, things that he wants, and you've got a wife that has different desires of their heart, and they're both messed up inside. Maybe she's in pain emotionally all the time from trauma that she went through that's never been worked out, so she wants attention from her man nonstop so that she never thinks about it, right? And maybe the guy secretly thinks, I don't have what it takes to make it in this world, and I don't want her to ever figure that out, that I'm not a confident guy that I, that I walk around like, and marriage gets harder and harder to, to hide that. They're going to start to see things, right? I guess I'm kind of going on a rant here, but to answer your question, what I have to wrestle with every day is that you're in a war that is a very uncomfortable pill to have to swallow. Okay, like I'm not in a war with any of the people that are on this thing here, but we could easily find ourselves in a competition if we came to places in life. And I'm still called by God to harm no one and serve other people which is hard enough to do when you think that we're all like the Smurfs running around in a happy little world. But when you actually realize that we're also competing with each other, now you have to love these people that you're competing with. You just start to see how incredibly difficult it is to live in the world. And we've created a delusion, a strong one to believe that everything is fine and everything is copacetic. And it's not actually the way that I'm describing it right now because it's a tough pill to swallow. And you're starting to see with the economy starting to shoot down and the dating world becoming tougher and tougher and tougher. I think 25% of women under 40 are on antidepressant medication. Wow. Quarter of all women under 40. That's just the ones that are actually like getting it legally and, and are admitting it. Like that's insane to think that a quarter of women under 40 would have been born with a chemical imbalance that would actually need it. Right. That's a sign that they're numbing themselves from the pain of choices that they made and things that they've gone through. And none of them understand they're in a war, right? If you're walking through life, beat up and blown up and you're in the middle of a war, you wouldn't be surprised by that. Right. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't keep your head up where snipers could shoot it. You, every move would be very strategic as you went through life. But I've sort of been sold a, a, a version of the world. A lot of other people have. It starts with your kid with cartoons and Disney type movies where everybody is happy with each other. And it moves into life where you're told if you just be a good little boy, you're going to get the things you want. And that means you're going to become rich and you're going to become happy in a relationship. And then you look at what the other person wants. And that's not the case at all. Girls are not looking for good little boys. That doesn't get their motor running, right? That's why they end up sleeping with the bad boy who we all say, why would they do that? Because he looks like he's got an edge. He looks like he's actually someone who's not a coward. He looks like someone who's opinionated that's living life on his own terms. And I think where my heart's at is to get more of the people that would make a good husband, that would make a good boss, that would make a good employer, that would make a good influencer in the world to recognize you're in a war and you're going to have to fight your way out of the mess that you're in, but you have the tools to do it if you first recognize I'm in a war. It, it, there, there's always pushback. You notice that, Matt? Like, with just, just like, just take two political different opinions, okay? I can assume the majority of guys in here are probably going to be conservatives or you wouldn't like Matt, okay? <laughs> when you take a conservative approach and you're just explaining capitalism, which is a form of competition, we are all competing in capitalism to bring the most value to the market. That's how you win in capitalism. There are, there's going to be a person that does not like that reality. It's not that they don't like capitalism. They don't like admitting, I have to go bring more value than the next person. I have to work harder because they're not tall or they're not confident or they don't have the skills or they came from a single parent household and they didn't learn the things that somebody else did. So they're at a disadvantage in that competition. Okay. You're in a fight and you're two weight classes less and you haven't trained and that person has. 
No one wants to accept that that's the reality, but that's the person that needs to accept it more than anyone. That's the one that needs to be trained twice as hard. That's the one that needs to be more engaged in life, right? So you see this playing out on the political realm. You've got a liberal viewpoint that does not like acknowledging what I just said. It hurts. It is scary. I don't want to believe we're in a competition because if we were, I have to admit, I'm probably going to be losing. So instead of fighting back against the argument they're making, you just detach yourself. Yep. Any thought that brings up these uncomfortable feelings, right? So I think I'm at a point in life where I've been seeing like at an emotional level, these people are detaching from this. I mean, you know what it's like when someone wants to fight you and they're like a midget, you're usually not that scared and you're probably not going to back down. But if John Jones shows up talking shit, I'm probably not going to be a loud, confident. Like that's John Jones. I know I'm going to lose, right? So you find a way to get out of that conflict. You see this with arguments. Like I know with you, public school is one of them. They're not devoting all six hours a day or eight hours a day of public school to turning out how to give kids the best experience they can possibly have. They're not doing that. It's an egalitarian world. Right. Show up, go through the motions, say you did your job, try to feel good about it, and then go home and don't think about, did I give my very best to those kids? Did those kids give their very best where we're at? And uh, it's a constant, like, wrestling match in my own head to wake up every day, especially when I could be comfortable, right? Like I'm in a 4,400 square foot cabin in the Tennessee mountains. And I got 12 of these things. It's awesome. Like I'm in a, a great place, but like, that doesn't mean that they can't be taken away. That doesn't mean that like everyone else is in a good position just because I'm in a good position. And it doesn't mean that like you should be resting when you're, when there's actually a battle to, I guess what I'm saying is when you've made it to that, when you've summited the, the, the uh, journey you were on, that's when you're most at risk. And I'm thinking about this stuff all the time. That's when David messed up with Bathsheba, when he let all the other kings go to war and he stayed home and he woke up in the middle of the day. And he's out there on his balcony, stretching and looking at his, you know, the kingdom that he's built. And there's a beautiful woman right there. Messed up all of Israel, messed up a, a ton of things, led to a, one of the best soldiers in Israel having their wife leave them and being killed. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I know I've got him going all over the place. Man, it's hard so- to put it. God, that's so good though, man. So I, I, um, and gentlemen, I am going to, I'm going to pull you guys in here in just a second, but there's something that I want to follow up on this. And this is selfish on my side. This is a personal thing on my side, but it's been something I've been very open with you guys on this too. So, um, you having what I will call an understanding of the fact that we are in this, that we are in this war on a number of different fronts, you are also responsible for leading a, a team, right? You have, I mean, you have a lot of people that you lead. You are not just in a position where you are, um, you know, quote unquote on top of the world with all of these, like that's where you're responsible for leading other human beings. How has that been as you are engaging with um, this kind of mental warfare and as you're going through things and, and you're, you're kind of steel manning your own beliefs in certain areas and going, okay, what was I taught? What's the reality? And so now what, right, for yourself, how do you now lead a team as well when sometimes they may or may not be in that same place or you at least don't have congruency between everybody? Like you're not looking at everybody going, they get it, they get it. It's like maybe Ranky gets it, right? Maybe Kyle's on board and he gets it, but somebody else on the team there does it. Like they're in a completely different way, but you're responsible for leading both. How has that been, that's been a huge challenge, man. That's Most stress. I mean, that's a huge part of it because you you worry about when you partner with someone that you're going to hold up your end of the bargain. I can't let basically most of the companies that I form is my job to create the leads 
yeah. to hack with the people, to create the system, to train them. I, I got to catch all the fish and get them in the boat. And my partner's responsibilities are to clean all the fish. Yeah. Uh, and I try to find experts in an industry that are very good at fish cleaning. So that could be a loan officer, real estate agents. I have Spartan League, uh, the investment properties that I have managing those properties, or uh, maybe like if it's a development type of a deal, managing a multifamily. What you don't think about is that what if we're successful and the person that I partnered with can't handle the prosperity? Mm. that's a real thing that I did not prepare for a couple of years yeah. ago when I started these businesses. It was like, I can't fail them. Yeah. I've got to do my end of the bargain, but then money starts rolling in. And I look at some of these partners, like, I don't know who you are. Who is this person mm. that, that's buying a Tesla plaid before they're 30 years old when we've had six months of making good money and has no savings. Like, and then that creates stress on them, or a lot of them sort of start to become well-known in this industry because they're attached to me. And you see that ego just run wild that I'm like, man, looking back, I don't know how I could have tested for that. You got to know someone for a long time to see how they're going to handle adversity. But then how do you know how they're going to handle prosperity, man? Like, that's a difficult thing. So the last two years has been a wrestling match where I'm in a competition with some of those people over power. They want to be left alone. They want to do things their own way. They don't want to have to be in a, in a submitted role where, yeah. hey, this is the things we need to do. These are the values we're going to operate by. And they're like, man, we don't need to do any of that. We just, the money comes rolling in. We'll just put out the fires when they come. And I'm constantly like, hey, we need to be thinking about the client experience. And what I found, Matt, is a lot of them are worried about the employee's experience. They, they start getting all of this uh, gratification out of providing a good working environment for the people that work for us. And so the, every problem that comes up, the answer is, well, how do we make it easier for the employee? How do we get a better system? How do we get software that allows them to work less hard? And meanwhile, they're like, oh, I, I used to work 40 hours a week. Now I only have to work 30. That's 10 hours a week that I can, you know, uh, watch Netflix. Not that's 10 hours a week. I can go generate more leads and I can make the company better or I can go perfect my craft. And we'll, we'll just be butting heads over this. And, and it's unfortunate that when you're a partner with someone, I imagine the marriage is similar. You don't have uh, autonomous control. <laughs> like I see the problems coming and there's nothing that I can do to fix that. So a lot of these people that are in these teams, I'll make it very clear. Here is where we're going. And guys, it's getting hard. That noose is tightening. We need to jump down in the trenches and work harder. And a, a lot of them, more than half of them, you sort of see they don't want to be involved in this if it's going to be hard. Mm. They they like to jump on the train when it was going at, with a lot of momentum and they were making good money and they were their ego was getting stroked. And now that it's like there's some humble pie, you're getting kicked in the teeth. You're getting into the fourth and fifth round where like I, fighting is a great example because everybody likes fighting when they're angry. Those first couple punches sure feel good when you're pissed off, right? Yeah, uh -huh. But like if you've ever been in a fight and you start to get fatigued, I don't know a human being alive that wants to be fighting when they get tired. It yeah. just sucks, man. Like it's the worst feeling ever. And that's sort of what it feels like with the economy right now is like, it's now hard to make yeah. money. It is now difficult. You are, it's very clear. You're in a competition. If you're a real estate agent, if you're a loan officer, if you're providing real estate education, there's tons of people out there that are all doing the same thing and you got to be better than them. So the, the harsh truth is I'm having to sort of prune out that too. I'm wondering like, can I keep this company alive or do I need to scrap it even though it's successful and start another one with a different architecture that I'm not in a power struggle all the time with the partner. And it is a hard thing as a man to realize like we really like, I've noticed there's a comforting thought to this pattern of passive income. I worked really hard. I stopped and now I just coast. Like that, that's one of the comforting lies that we're told is that life works that way. 
but it's horse shit because we all know that fitness doesn't work that way. You can't get really fit and then hang it up and be like, I got passive fitness. You can't go work really hard to win over a girl and then say, I got a passive relationship. I don't have to try anymore. And you can't do it with business. The reality is the minute you stop paying attention to something, it starts to fall apart. You need constant attention at what you're at. So uh, I think I, I'm in a season where I'm trying to ask, what are things that I'm passionate enough about that I can pay attention to them all the time and enjoy doing it? All right. When I started this four or five years ago, I had this belief that if I busted my ass and built a company, it would run so somewhat passively. But you take your eyes away. It's like giving your kids to someone else to raise them for six months. Like you're probably not going to like the kids you get back. That's the right. babysitter probably is going to raise them according to their values and whatever it is that makes it easiest to raise the kids. And so your employees will do that in a company. Uh, I think if you just stop, like, you know, you have a girlfriend, you go away to war. You don't hear very many good stories of guys coming back from Afghanistan and find a great relationship waiting for them. Right. And that's just a thing that I've had to wrestle with is it's a comforting lie that you can work really hard at something for a period of time and then just enjoy it forever. The reality is you all you always have to weed that garden even after you've planted and watered it. Oh gosh, man, this is so, so freaking good. All right. I have some more. I have, I mean, I just love this man anyway, so I can just get going and talk. I'm going to let you guys, some of you guys jump in here too. Mr. Smith talking about law enforcement and real estate. And I mean, this is, it's like, uh, you guys are, are related ish. Well, it's uh it's an honor. Uh, Mr. Green, uh, David, this last, uh, couple years I've been listening to you and this, uh, certainly is a different side of David Green that I expected to see tonight. <laughs> and, uh, and it's awesome. I was, I wanted to run my real estate situation by you, uh, though it feels the conversation is going a different way. But um, last year, I was on the midnight shift um, as a police officer um, for the whole year. And I spent, uh, I had a, speaking of like changing our reality, like pulling ourselves out of that, I definitely was in the process of pulling myself out of the mindset of being poor, of seeing a nice house and thinking, Oh, I'll never have that. I'll just be making this much money the rest of my life. Um, so I spent the whole year studying real estate and researching and listening to you learning a lot. And this year with Apogee real estate investing was my, I decided for it to be my chief definite aim. So, um, I just wanted to run my uh, situation by you this year and see if uh, I'd love it if you can poke holes in it. Um, and uh, I'll try to be, I'll try to be quick, but um, I use a HELOC on my primary residence to purchase a, a duplex. My real estate agent was able to get it for me off market. And I, uh, so I use my whole HELOC essentially for the down payment. And the reason for that, was I wanted to, instead of waiting to buy real estate for the all-star perfect bar deal, um, I wanted to buy real estate and wait. Um, I wanted to get in the game because of my, my in-game goal is generational wealth. And uh, I want to slowly build that portfolio. So I purchased the property and right now my whole HELOC is in it. And I don't have a ton of savings to build up um, the property to improve it. I did just put in an HVAC on one side um, and it does need some things uh, like floors and, and painting and stuff. So right now I'm focusing on 
saving, which I noticed is part of what you've been preaching lately. Um, and I think would also be great for everyone here um, to hear as well. So that's what I'm focusing on now to hopefully also the market's a big, big factor. If the rates do go down a dip a little bit next year, then, and I build the equity over the course of the next year or two, then I'll finally be able to cash out refi and get my HELOC back in order to do it again. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I'm sitting at right now. And right now, since I'm not actively searching to buy, I'm trying to save. I've been organizing a couple of real estate meetups and trying to establish a network as well. So I've done two meetups. And although there's been a lot of no-shows, a lot of committals, but a lot of no-shows. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. And uh, if anything, just a thank you for all your wisdom over the past uh, couple of years. Um, it continues to impact me. Thanks, man. So let's sum up what you're looking for. You're trying to figure out what you should do when you're waiting for your equity to grow. Is that the first part? Yeah, essentially, yes. And then how you grow your meetup. Was that the other part you were struggling with? Was there, yeah. was there anything else in there? Yeah, I've had some people reply on the Bigger Pockets forums, but none of them showed. Um, like the last one, I had seven people commit. And I'm also trying to reach out to younger officers on the police department who may not, like, I look at myself when I was them, if I would have known just simply about house hacking, yeah, it would have benefited me like a, a ton, you know, right now. But so that's, that's who I'm trying to reach as well. So it sounds like you've got a heart that wants to share, like you kind of want to be an apologist for real estate investing and evangelist, maybe go spread the message. And you're trying to figure out what to do with your real estate thing, but are you maybe missing some direction on the best way to take those desires and turn them into something productive? Well, really, I just feel like I'm in a waiting game right now. I mean, based on like the money I need to save to improve the duplex enough um, in order to cash out refi. And then I'm also waiting for the market to essentially to see what it does. Cause I'm still learning a whole lot about what, like what it does. And I know right now that was a crazy time to, to get started. So I'm just, just waiting. It's feels like a waiting game right now, but. So I'm, I'm just trying to get some concrete, like what I can, what question you want me to answer where you just want to share what your situation was for us to hear. Were you looking for a answer from me? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially just sharing and seeing like, if there's like anything that I haven't thought of or um, anything to pull calls in. Uh, stuff like that okay good thank you for that i think uh what a lot when i wrote the book you're talking about when i talk about savings that's the pillars of wealth book right there was basically a belief in real estate that there is a way you can outsmart the market outsmart your problems it's kind of like the the crypto investors right i don't want to have to learn a skill and go commit myself to a craft and fail at something if i just find some insert crypto name here and pay attention to it, I can outsmart what all the suckers are doing when they're going out there and they're working hard, right? And there is always a temporary success that is possible. Like you can catch a great wave if you're not a good surfer that can make you look good. But it is not sustainable. If you watch someone for long enough, if enough enough periods of time goes by, you start to recognize that like their wealth went away because at just the same as that wealth came very quickly, it can go very quickly. And so this book was written as a counterpunch to that. Like quit asking me the question of, hey, David, I got no money, no credit, no life, no skills, no drive, no work ethic, no girlfriend and no pet, but I want to buy real estate. What do I do? 
that you got bigger issues than real estate investing if this is your life. You shouldn't be investing in real estate. It's like giving a firearm to a four-year-old. That is not like you can get a Nerf gun you can play with, but you shouldn't have debt like that. You shouldn't be buying an asset if you have no skills. Now, that's not the case with you, obviously, which is why I think you resonate with it. But I wanted to be able to hand someone a book and say, before we even talk about how to how to manage an, an expensive asset, can you manage your budget? Can you manage the budget of your own household and live within that? Or are you just like crazy in debt? Because that is there is a lot of uh, spiritual issues behind that and throwing money at problems rather than wanting to fix them. And what I found, like, for example, I could think of a business right now where my partner is a very brilliant person. He's a very smart guy in, in this particular business, but he solves problems by throwing money at them rather than by diagnosing the actual issue. And it, it ends up just never going away. He's always throwing money at it, right? Rather than we need to have a difficult conversation with the damn employees that are saying that they're working all day to you, but their version of work is just mindlessly going through the motions. They're pre-approving people with a 400 credit score. We did not need to put three hours of work into this file the minute that you saw their credit was 400, but they're getting paid regardless. So no one's watching them and they're just doing it. Um, if you can't, I guess what I'm getting at here is if you're not able to budget your own money, if you're not able to control your own diet, if you're not able to like sort of play defense in your own life, when you become more successful, you're going to lose it. So you start with that. How do you have a plan for every dollar that you make? How do you have a plan for where you're trying to go? Once you've got defense down, which again, it's not easy. It sounds simple. Like just don't spend money. <laughs> Once you start trying to do it, it's very hard. There's an analogy that I bring up in the book. It's like having your eyes closed and you're in the middle of a river. You don't realize you're floating in the river if your eyes are closed. You don't know there's a current. You don't feel a current when you're in the current. When you open your eyes, you start realizing that the, you know, the scenery is going that way and I'm going this way. This is not good. That's what happens when you start actually looking at your budget. Holy shit, we're spending this much money on these things. You just don't think about it until you look at it. And then you decide you're going to stop and you put your foot down in the riverbed that is when you feel that current on your chest. That's when you're aware, oh man, it's hard not to spend money. I like spending money to solve problems. Like my wife and I are arguing all the time. She's never happy. She says I never listened to her. I'm just going to take her out to a nice dinner and appease her. Spent 250 bucks on a dinner so I don't have to deal with this. Well, guess what happens? Two weeks later, you got to do it again, right? Rather than I'm going to sit down and have the difficult conversation and maybe ask myself if I am emotionally disengaged, and if it is me being selfish, and if and maybe she's bringing this up because she's a mirror that's put in my life to point this out, that happens when you start budgeting. All of this shit that you thought you were doing great with starts to become exposed. The second pillar is actually about making more money. And that's not just something that happens. It's something that you have to intentionally go do. There's a skill set behind getting good in a capitalistic environment at making money. And a lot of people are looking for a way around that. They do not want to have to learn how do I bring value to the market? How do I do something different than what other people did, right? Like Acton Academy, where I met Matt, was a very different way of doing education. They couldn't just follow a path that other people had already written out like a public school teacher can. Your public school teacher, you show up, somebody else written a curriculum, somebody else has got the classroom ready for you. Somebody else has told you what to do. You have to maybe go decorate that classroom with whatever pictures you want. And then you're just mindlessly following a curriculum if you choose to do that. Versus what are people looking for and how can I give them something they would want more? That's a form of a business, right? That's the thing people don't, they, they get into real estate investing because they don't want to do that. Making money is, is all about personal development. That is all about realizing that you as a man or as a woman, if you're in that position, are not good enough as you are right now. You are not enough to be able to make more money, which means you have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what has to change. 
for me, when I went from being a cop to a real estate agent, I was not enough because I was very introverted and I was, I was a freaking cop. I talked like a cop. I looked like a cop. I was not a salesperson. I was not warm. I did not listen very well. And it's very difficult when you're trying to make somebody buy the house that you know is the best bet for them. And I didn't do well until I learned how to get them to think that buying that house was their idea which I didn't have to do very often as a cop. I mean, some of the cops figured that out when I was, when they were a cop, but I was like 255 pounds. I just went in there and made you put on the handcuffs. It was, I didn't have to worry about getting you to think it was your idea to, to let me arrest you. And that was a lot of growth. It's still a lot of growth. If you want to be good at business, I'm sharing with you guys what the struggles are like, like just when you think you got the business figured out, the personal side and the spiritual side comes into it and you starting all over trying to figure that out. But that's what the journey is like if you want to be good at that. And then the third pillar, that's actually investing your money in a place that is going to grow. But you really earn the right to do that by proving that you can save money and you can make money first. Okay. What I'm trying to get away from is people saying, I'm going through all the consequences of a life I've lived wrong. I am not in line with the way that it's supposed to work. And I cannot avoid those just by investing in real estate. And that's my magic pill. I earned the right to invest in real estate by focusing on these other two pillars, which both forced me to wrestle with my own demons of spending and my own fear of personal growth. And when you've done that, you have money coming in that makes sense to go invest it and delay gratification so that you get something later. Um, I think that's what you're what you're referring to here, right? But you see that none of this stuff is about money. None of this stuff is about a spreadsheet. It's hard to sell this to people. If I just said, hey, take my course for $10,000 and I'll teach you how to make $50,000 flipping a house. It'll pay for itself five times over with one flip. You'd all be throwing your money at me. That's what the competition that I'm dealing with is like. They've all learned. If you tell people what they want to hear, they will sign up for what you're doing. And you can actually, it's that's the new Bitcoin. It's selling education in that sense. Okay, uh, you don't have to actually become the kind of person that is good at managing contractors and finding opportunities and learning the skill of construction to flip a house. You just have to pay this course and you're gonna download the stuff like it's the matrix and you can you know start rewire a motorcycle in your own head. And in that book, I talk about, we are all being sold that bill of goods every time we go on YouTube. Every time you go on Instagram, every time you go on TikTok, you are being sold a version of the world that is not how the world works because that's what people want to believe. It is easier to believe that every guy in OnlyFans who's paying money to some girl, who's got a hundred other guys that are paying her money, in his head, he thinks that could be my girlfriend. I could win her over. She's going to like me if I just keep throwing money at this person, right? The girls are just like laughing at the guys. Like, you're an idiot. I'm never going to, I would never fall for a guy that would throw money at me. She's probably going to go for the guy that doesn't give her all that stuff. Like, it's a terrible idea, but that is the comforting lie that he has been sold. That he can win this girl over by pursuing her on OnlyFans rather than the reality is this guy's going to have to build himself up into a man. A, a good man would not be satisfied with throwing money at someone on OnlyFans that he doesn't know. Right. So uh, and that's that's really the message that I was as we go through today's talk and you guys leave here, you probably don't realize how much shit is in your head. That is not true, but it's very comforting and it's easier to believe it than to look at yourself from someone else's eyes. Like that guy who's theoretically paying money on OnlyFans. If that was someone you loved, you'd, you'd pull him aside and be like, dude, never again. You're giving them no money. You're going to get in the gym. You're going to go join the military or you're going to try to become a cop. Or you're going to go take an a, um, apprenticeship somewhere and learn something hard. You're going to go work on Matt's farm. And we're going to build up your confidence levels so that you're not trying to get your needs met through the internet. 
in a delusion where that person doesn't actually love you and give you a real chance with a real girl you could actually be in a relationship with. And I don't think that the majority of people, even those of us that are on this path that we're trying to get better, recognize how bad that is, how many lies were being sold. So um, hearing that, you have any, any follow-up questions on it? No, that's awesome. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that for sure. The The whole mindset is is how it really started and that's what attracted me to you in the first place was your mindset that you weren't like all the other influencers like this is not a get rich quick scheme this is this is how it's done there's no get rich quick scheme so why do we think there's a get rich quick scheme that's right exactly (laughs) thank you sir i appreciate it and every single one of us here will vouch for Mr. Smith on on uh, on the way he shows up you know with with every single bit of this 100% so um that's awesome and do you think this the world when you're we're looking at the the way the world uh the what we've been told versus what is my sense is it's always been that way or when i say always it's been like that for a long time is it something that you think is just uh almost exacerbated now is it something more people are just taking advantage like the wrong people are taking advantage of are people suffering more in their uh in their ignorance now than they were before like because i do believe this is something that's been true for longer than not but i feel like more people are either i don't know suffering in it now yeah. Um, because of their not, you know, not willingness to take a look at what is, and maybe things are just kind of ramping up. I don't I, know. I know what you're getting at. It's like, why does it seem like it's getting worse as we go? Right. The only two things that I attribute it to, and, and I could be wrong. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Is one is that the how to articulate like the easier that the world becomes to live in, the less valuable masculinity is. There's that saying like good times create weak men, weak that that whole thing, right? So there are natural consequences. Like if you if you just f up enough, you get starving. Like the prodigal son, right? He comes back because it says he was so hungry that he was jealous of the food that the pigs were eating. He was looking at the pigs like, how lucky are you that you can eat? I'm that hungry. Hunger is sobering. When times get hard enough, it becomes difficult to maintain the delusion that he had when he took his inheritance from his father. I'm, I'm referring to a story in the Bible. And he just went out and was like, basically, dad, I don't really want a relationship with you. I just want all the money that you have. Give it to me now. And he went out and spent his money on prostitutes and the, you know, the biblical version of cocaine in a sense. Right. And he loses it all. And then he's starving. Right. That's sobering. Well, we live in a world now and socialism kind of plays into this where you never actually hit that point of pure starvation. You're weak and you're anemic and you don't like your life, but you're not so desperate to change. You ever get out of it. It's like being on an IV drip of drugs that, you know, you're not healthy and you don't like it, but it's not so bad to get out of it. I mean, if, if I was a demon and I was trying to distract people or control people, that's exactly how I do it. Don't let it become so bad that they snap out of it, but also don't let them actually find some momentum in a positive direction that they keep building. So technological improvements combined with printing a shit ton of money has created what is we we are still a capitalistic country technically, but it operates much more socialistically than anything. So you don't need to be a man. You don't need to be masculine. Like it just isn't as valuable to do. Right. And then the, the other part that I tend to look at when it comes to this is the spiritual component where we sort of hit this point of believing that we are smarter than religion. Like 
we we've we our uh, intellectual prowess has developed to the point with scientific improvements and and progressiveness that we understand God is a social construct that we made up and that we don't actually have to follow someone else's rules. It's like that, you know, the proverbial 17-year-old that thinks he knows more than dad. Mm-hmm. Like but but usually that 17-year-old hits a, a wall at some point where they realize I don't know as much as I thought and dad starts to look smart, right? I think we're kind of hitting that wall with the stuff I'm talking about and there are a handful of people that are like, "Yeah, man, like preach it. This is what I'm seeing every day." And then there's another group of people that are like, no, 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 we just need to be smarter than we were before. There's AI is going to make this better, David. We don't actually have to, to change anything. Yeah, I see that too. Oh man, I see that too. And I and I wrote that down. If I was a demon, I would do it exactly the same way. Dude, I, I uh, 100%, 100% agree. We've talked about that from a spiritual standpoint too. He's not the guy that comes up and oogity boogity in the big horns because that would be way too freaking obvious. Yeah, He is beautiful and comfortable. He is the most comfortable lie. He is like, ah, that doesn't seem so bad. Might even seem good. You know, he is that beautiful woman in the red dress. That's so good. That's exactly what it is. Holy moly. All right, da- another David. Dude, this isn't just a David and David and David show, but I guess that's the way we're Are rolling. you sure? I'm not I mean, sure now. there's nothing wrong with a bunch of Davids. I mean, it there's really like three is. of us on my team here at work. I really um, so uh, David is the, uh, it's the pumpkin spice latte of male names, unfortunately. <laughs> it's very basic. There's more Davids running around than anything else. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, well, my family all calls me Nick. So, I mean, I, I, I get to go by many names. There you go. Um, so along the same lines, talking about real estate and everything, with the increasing cost of money when it comes to, to borrowing, um, and people like Robert Kiyosaki kind of thinking that there's a, a almost like, I think he called it an Airbnb bubble, um, with people, you know, buying these properties and having them not return as well. And they're starting to offload them, going to drive down, uh, property values. What do you think it would be kind of the best game plan for somebody who's lightly into real estate investing? I don't have a hundred percent of the time to dedicate towards, you know, trying to wholesale or anything. So I'm, I'm just trying to build up a strategy and what what should be the next play um i currently have one short-term rental that's a cabin um we've got one house that we're in the middle of flipping we're almost done um and we ex- expect to make a decent return on it we're just i'm just trying to figure out what should be the next step and the next step and the next step afterwards i'm just worried that the cost of borrowing money and the market rates driving values down that it's just going to become increasingly more difficult to break even let alone make profit yeah, and it will. But here's here's what's even worse about it. We're in a. I need a good analogy. Let me think of one as we talk about this and see if something comes to me here. It, it is harder to make as much income. Let me take back a step. Real estate makes you money in several ways. Okay, we only talk about the cash flow element, and why is that? Right. Because if I want you to buy my course, the quickest thing is if I can say, well, you can replace your income at your job with cash flow that's free and easy then why would you need real estate? It will be the exact same argument that you guys will see in the near future. Are you tired of getting rejected by women all the time? Are you tired of making them play by their rules? We'll get our AI sex robot and you can have passive sex on your terms. Like it, everyone's gonna buy this stupid stuff because that's the dream, right? So cash flow is a, is a way that you make money in real estate, but my philosophy has always been cash flow is for defense. It's It's not how you're supposed to make money in real estate. It just, it allows you to keep the property for a long period of time. If it doesn't cash flow, you could lose it easier, okay? The way you end up making money in real estate is it's an inflation hedge. 
But as, yeah. as the government devalues the currency, the properties that you own go up in value, but the debt you have on them stays the same. It's actually like really simple. And the goal is to get the real estate in the best areas that you can and just wait. It's not supposed to be something that you quit your job and stop working hard. You're supposed to keep working for money. Just like if you're in a relationship, you should keep working for sex. You want to keep pursuing that person. They're going to want to sleep with you, right? The, the appeal of the AI sex robot is going to be like, you don't have to do all of that. You can just have the thing that you need. Like that's what you want to try to avoid is that comforting lie. So I would give the advice of, I buy basically you were asking me like, it's the demand's going to go down or the, uh, the cash flows, it will. However, your currency is also going to be being devalued at the same time. So it's just overall, you're going to hit from both sides. If you don't invest your money, it loses its value. And if you do invest your money, it's going to be harder to cash flow. And the answer is yes. Both of those things are going to happen. This is what happens when a government absolutely devalues its currency by recklessly printing it, okay? If you look at how a brain works, we flood it with heroin. Like the, the amount of serotonin that comes out is insane. Like it's, it's almost impossible to articulate what it's like. If you look at like the normal amount of a little serotonin or dopamine release that you would get if you played your favorite video game or you saw a pretty view of a mountain is like, you know, a five. And then eating your favorite food is like a 40. And then like having sex is like an 80, right? Serotonin is like a 4,000 in heroin. It, it, you cannot compare this. Like the brain doesn't even know what to make of it, right? So what happens is when you do enough heroin, the, your your serotonin, uh, like not the receptors, but the part that pushes out that chemical breaks. It's like redlining an engine and it stops being able to produce anything, which is why withdrawals when you get off of it are so horrible is nothing makes you feel good anymore. You set a baseline of 4,000 is what you need to feel good. So that food you used to eat at five doesn't even make the radar. And it's hard to make it at all because you wore it out, right? We've sort of done that to our currency. That'd be the best way that I could describe what happens when you just print a bunch of money. Ray Dalio has a really good video on this called The Changing World Order, where he just describes America is not the first country to do this. Every freaking country does this. It's a way of uh, not having to tax people because no one likes taxes. So you can just print a bunch of money. You know, your, your constituency doesn't even know you did it and you can stay in power. But what's happening is money's losing value and there is a competition, a rush to get places to stick that money so that it can hold some kind of value. And that's what you're seeing, Nick. You're watching as more and more people are competing for these assets, which means that there's more Airbnb operators so that people like that's the supply has gone up, but the demand has stayed the same. So the, the, what someone's willing to pay is not going to be as high. You have to start dropping your prices to get them to book yours, or you don't get as many bookings. Now imagine as we go into a recession that as supply is going up, the demand to travel actually could actually go down. I don't have a lot of money. I'm not going to go take a vacation. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to, you know, eat more top ramen. I'm not going to go to the smoky mountains or, wherever your cabin is, you very well could see this problem of you had to invest your money somewhere. So you did. And then the short-term rental market gets hammered as it looks like the fed is, is kind of like trying to put us into a recession here. The only answer I've seen is that means you got to be better at saving money and better at making money. You have to take your attention away from the investing pillar and put it into the other two pillars that are boring and no one likes. Okay. It's almost like, Hey, the steroids, like, I don't know if you're going to use a fitness analogy here, defense is diet, offense is working out. And the investing pillar is, is HGH. <laughs> like the, the trend, the supply is drying up. It's going to be harder to get the endogenous steroids. So you got to do even better at diet and better at, at lifting just to stay where you're at or lose less of it. Right. Like I've, I've said before, the flex going into what I think is a recession is keeping what you have. 
It, the, the talk has always been, I need more doors. I need more properties. I want financial freedom. I want to be rich. Like it's always how much more can I get? And I think we've actually like kind of summited and we're on the downhill side now where it's how much of it that I've earned can I keep? And it's very tricky, right? And, and just to be like transparent with you guys, it's even harder to keep it when you don't have as much control over it because you've got different business partners. You've got economic environments that you can't look over. You have employees that you can't watch 100% of them yourself. And you realize that they're getting paid every single day and they're not doing shit. It's, it's a form of theft in a way, right? But it doesn't get talked about like that. And uh, I'm just saying this because what most of you have heard from so many people in the space is you got to be more, you got to have more, you got to have more, you got to have more. You don't always have to have more assets under management, but you probably should have more discipline with your spending and you should have more personal growth, which will lead to making more money. And so along those lines, is that kind of why you're going to offload a couple of those cabins in Gatlinburg area? Because I've seen countless, uh, I'm in several like Facebook groups and stuff for short-term rentals in, in that market. And, and there's just a, so many people that are trying to sell them and they're at inflated rates that just don't make sense to to to, to buy, you know, to replace it as another Airbnb. And I was just there a couple of weeks ago and, you know, there's cabins left and right still going up. Is that kind of why you're going to look to sell a couple of those? No, I don't know that I'm going to sell them. I'm going to, what I'm doing is I'm hiring a guy to manage them that works for me. So I have control, right. As opposed to I have a property management company and now it's political. How do I exert what I want you to do? And I have to talk to this employee and that employee and like, mm -hmm. how do I play the stupid game to get you guys to do what I'm trying to, because their goal, like most W2 workers is how do I get as much money from someone as I can and do as little work as I have to little work. Right. Yep. And our goal as the like the owner is how do I get as much from you as I can? And, and it shouldn't be our goal to pay you as little as possible. But many people think that way, right? What I right. thought I had was an agreement where you'll make a lot more money because you're getting a percentage of the rents if you mm -hmm. make a whole bunch more money. And let's work together where you guys listen to me because I know we're thinking too about this to get them to where they're making more money. But they're like, that's not how we do things. This is the way, this is easier for us. It's less work. And so the properties are just right. not performing well. If I can't get them turned around, I'd probably have to sell some of them. But the weird thing is, from what I've seen, they're, even though rates have doubled, almost tripled from where they were, the cabins are not necessarily selling for less money. Hmm. They should be. Logic would yeah. dictate that they would be, right? So if they're not selling for less, when they're going to be much less profitable for the person buying them, that tells me there's a massive competition for where to put money and buy these assets. The people that have money know there's nowhere to put their money. The people that don't have money aren't thinking about that. They're just like, how do I get some money, right? The people that have right. it are very worried. Where, where, what am I going to do? And there's still, I mean, there's new construction going on everywhere up here. I'm watching cabins that are just mm -hmm. being built from the ground up, like everywhere we drive. Yeah. It's actually it one of the reasons like I'm here right now is I'm going to be moving out this way uh, to sell like more property in the South, because I think that more of America is moving out this direction because the cost of living is getting incredibly high because of inflation. But the financial opportunity is not increasing along with it because we don't actually have a healthy economy. Right, right. Well, thanks for your time. I don't want to waste anybody else's time. Let somebody else ask a question. Thank you very much. Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, Dave, I want to make sure we're on it because I know you're, I know you're traveling, but I know you got stuff going on too. I know we got a few more hands, but I want to make sure you're okay on time, man. Yeah, I'm good. You're okay, so gentlemen, let's do the favor. Um, let's honor his time. Let's no more hands after Jeffrey. Um, we'll just make sure we get to our uh, make sure we get the questions, but we can honor David's time. RP. So much for being on with us. I was really excited to see your name come across. Um, wasn't really sure where this was going to go. So I have a couple of questions for you. The first one, real estate. 
um, feel free to to spend as much time or as little time as you'd like on it. Um, with with the way interest rates are and and everything that's been flying around YouTube with creative financing and Pace Morby and his whole thing yeah. he's got going on, um, do you feel like there's any anything ta anything tangible in the creative finance or the sub two? Do you feel like it's it's a waste of time or is, is it actually a viable strategy? You're asking a really good question here. And I know there's probably some pace disciples in this group. So please don't go saying David was dragging pace. He hit his strategy is the perfect sales uh, offering for the market we're in right now. It's, it's not that it doesn't work. If you can buy someone's property and assume a mortgage at 3% instead of eight, you're going to have an advantage over someone else. It's more, it's incredibly impractical. There are not a lot of people that want to sell their house at a price that's going to make sense for you. There, and then of those ones, they have to have an asset that you would want to own. And then of those people, they have to be willing to let you take over a mortgage, which is going to have negative consequences for them. Okay. It's like, you're sort of the 49er out there, like panning for gold. You will find a gold nugget. The people that are actually like making the money though, are the ones selling you the equipment to go mine the gold. They're not the ones out there trying to strike it rich. Pace himself, from my understanding of people that have been in his world, I don't know this on my own, has an army of 400 students that are all out there trying to find these gold nuggets. And then when they find one, they raise their hand, like, hey, I need some help. I don't know what to do. I got a fish on the line. Can someone reel it in? And he has one of his leaders that go in there and help actually put that deal together. Then he says, look, guys, let me show you this house that I got at a 3% interest rate that everyone sees and goes, oh, I want one of those. I'm going to go join Pace's group, right? I, I don't, he's not lying. He's not making things up that aren't true. It's just the portrayal that this is a viable option that you can do that is not accurate at all. It's why I don't talk about it as much. It'd be very easy to sell people on that. Who would ever say no to it? It just isn't going to happen. Okay. Like you see a lot of this in the dating world where there's a girl like 120 pounds overweight, like in her 40s. And some guy's trying to tell her like, hey, gal, you need to drop your expectations here. Like, is there a man out there for you? Yes. Is he going to be six feet tall with a six pack and a millionaire who appreciates everything about you that's unique? And you're not going to have to change anything about yourself because you're a precious snowflake. That's not the way it's going to work. Like, you need to be okay marrying the guy that drives a truck. And that's a good, honest living. And you can have a family. And she's holding out for like Christian Ronaldo, right? And what happens is every single time, Ryan, they give an anecdotal argument. Well, I know a person who did marry a millionaire and she was a little overweight too. Like they always have that one little thing that they hang their hopes on, right? So that happens in the sub two space. There is a success story. They can always, it's the same way the California lottery works. They put the commercial on and they're like, Bob and, and Sandra Miller won the lottery. And this is them in their RV traveling the world with their grandkids. And you're like, it could be me. Right. But like, it's not going to be you. It's just, if there's enough people doing it, someone's going to strike rich. Right. Again, that's not, it's not saying subject to is a bad strategy. If you find one, hell yeah, see if you can make that work. Right. But just like, you know, there's some fighter out there that can land a lucky punch and beat someone who's way better. You don't want to build your whole strategy on, I'm going to be the lucky punch guy and I'm just going to figure out a way to get the lucky punch every It's a terrible way to live your life. And you end up always like putting off your success. You're like, well, it's going to happen if I keep waiting. If I keep waiting, you want to have the attitude, I'm going to build my fucking success. I'm going to ask, who do I need to become 
to be good at fighting or good at business or good at relationships? Like, what does the market want? And how do I purposely and intentionally go become that? Okay. And what happens in my experience is when you're looking for that, not only do you get the property, but you get all the benefits that came from who you became to get the property. You become the disciplined person. You become the confident person, right? You start to like your life. I just realized your son's in the background. I'm sorry for cussing there, buddy. Don't do that. He's got a little bit passionate there. Uh, you you become the human being that you're going to respect more. And when the market shifts, you can adapt. When all the people that built their strategy on like one simple little thing, it falls apart when the market shifts. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And that's actually not the answer I was expecting. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, yeah, there's lots more I could go into that, but I won't waste your time or our time. But I did have a question um, based on the the previous kind of content that we were getting into. You talked about uh, the war that we're in, and I wouldn't. I wonder if you'd mind sharing, like, what are you doing personally or specifically to prepare for that war? Right, as you're becoming more and more aware of that war and the changing circumstances all around us, what are you finding the best use of your time as you prepare? Oh man, that's such a good question. Like, I think, and I don't talk about this a lot. You guys, just as a um, disclaimer. I, many of you know me from bigger pockets. I work for that company. That's their company. I don't own that, right? So I can have opinions that I'm sharing with you guys here that doesn't necessarily mean bigger pockets agrees with it. And I don't talk about it on their platform as a sign of respect to them because people go to that platform and learn how to make money in real estate. They don't go to hear my spiritual opinions, okay? But I, I think that if you can imagine like a city that walls came down and enemies have been sneaking into it for like 10 years, but they don't look any different than the people of the city. You'd have a feeling of security and safety, but you would not be safe at all. And occasionally someone bumps into one of them and you recognize, wait a minute, you don't look like a citizen and they get their throat cut. And you're like, that's weird. Why do we find these people with their throats cut in the morning? Oh, we should try to figure that out. And, and there's a little headline in the news and then it goes away. Right. But they're steadily coming in. And the plan would be we're not going to get in an open war with these people that would fight with us until we outnumber them and outnumber them by a lot. So it's not even a fight. We all just say, surprise, here we are. And we take over the city in a moment. Right. I think that's much more of an indicative picture of what America looks like right now than Oh, I'm starting to see some opposition over there and they're not going to come take my guns and they're not going to come do whatever. Like, I don't mean this to sound negative, but they probably already have. They just haven't snapped their fingers yet to take them. Like, you're not going to win that fight, okay? Like, if we all got together and fought, of course we would we would win. You're not even going to know that the fight's happening. Like, it's already, if you just think about it from a political position, okay, it's very easy to criticize politicians. Everyone does it. The damn politicians, okay? But what would happen if we had a person run for president or governor or mayor or whatever that said, here's what we're going to do. We're cutting all of the social programs. We're going to raise taxes to pay off the debt we've already raised. You're all going to work your butts off and you're going to, and all that money is going to go towards paying down the debt so that the future generations, they can actually have uh, inherit a country that's in a better financial position than this one is. And we're going to go through 15 years of tightening our belt. Okay. 8% of us would be like, hell yeah, that's the one I want. And then they would never get voted in. Like you can't get mad at politicians. You cannot get mad at CNN. You cannot get mad at the people that have a different opinion of you because the only reason they're putting it up there is there's a huge appetite for it. Politicians are a reflection of the values of the people. 
which means if you look at like a scale, if you've got people that have, I'm going to call them conservative ideologies, which just to define that would be like hard work, capitalism, delayed gratification, bringing value to get what you want, um, accepting that this is the way the world works, not believing we can make it be the way we want with delusion. And then the opposite would be the other people. Okay. Once the scales tip so far, these people are having kids at a faster rate than these ones. And those kids are having kids at a faster rate than these ones. And you never actually get it back. You, you don't, right? Like you can't fight to get back to where it will. Once this scales tip to a certain point, at least from my perspective, you've already lost because they're going to keep voting in the people that keep the spiral going downward. Now there's things you can do. You can protect your family personally. You can move to parts of the country where that stuff hasn't happened as much, but it's going to go there eventually too. Right. Like, like if you're if you're me and you believe what the Bible says, basically paints a picture that the world is the Titanic and it's going to sink. And the goal is to get as many people off of the Titanic as you possibly can. It's not to try to change the course of the sinking of the ship. Jesus didn't come and tell everybody, hey, you need to vote for better politicians so that you can turn this whole thing around. He didn't take on the Pharisees and, and say, like, I'm going to establish a new system here. He just told everyone, leave and run away from that thing and run to find life in me because it's a very short period of time you're going to be here, right? Now, I have that lens. So when I see what's going on politically, I'm not, I mean, it sucks and I'm angry about it, but I'm not shocked by it. I've, I've sort of known my whole life. This is the way that it's going to be going. So as far as your question of like, how do you prepare for this? This is unpopular. This will piss people off. I'm not trying to. I don't think you do it by trying to change the world. I think you do it by preparing the people that you love for the fact that the world's going to be against them. They are going to be the enemy. Okay. Like you're not going to stop that. So how do you raise your kids to be as, uh, as innocent as a dove, but as shrewd as a serpent? You can't have this comforting lie belief that like, hey, man, if I just do good things to other people, they'll do good things to me and it's all going to be fine. That is not true. You will be taken advantage of and ripped off because there's people out there that have very bad motives. I didn't hear that growing up in church, right? I told, I was told a lot to not be a bad boy, to do good things and, and not be a little sinner, but I wasn't told to be wise and smart and how to sniff out people's uh, emotives or not put myself in a position in a business situation or a romantic situation or anything where they would have the upper hand and control over me and they could manipulate my emotions and they have bad motives. Like no one told me that. I was walking around having no idea that I was in the middle of a, of a war, get, getting hammered, right? And at like 40 years old, I'm just starting to see how serious the whole thing actually is. So it's, it's very like uh, comforting to be like, yeah, we need a rally and we're going to get around insert political person here. We're going to get behind Trump. We're going to get behind DeSantis. There's a savior that we're going to go rally behind. And we're going to let them know that we don't want this anymore. But you know what happens? You go try to say that on YouTube and YouTube just cancels you. Like you've all where most of us get our information is social media. Okay. They've already got it. The enemy already controls that if you're going to use the like the enemy thing. They've already made their way into the city and they already control the gates. You can't, you can't win this thing. If you start saying what I'm saying right here, you're banned. It's over. They're, they're, like, you, they just take you out. Your voice is gone. Nobody voted for you. They're going to hear it from somebody else. Now, you can still have meetings like this where we spread the message, which is why I'm hoping that you guys are hearing me and, and taking me serious. And I want you to all stay on a wealth building journey, but I also want you to understand that like, it's not something that just happens the way you, you see people portrayed on Instagram. You are competing against other people that want those assets. There are people that are going to take them from you. In the future, it'll be very easy to just like, I mean, have you guys ever thought about every text message you send in the future, people will be able to see what it is? Like, you run for president, you have conservative values, every person's a sinner. They've all said things at some point, right? 
you've got naked pictures that you sent to girls at some point in your life or girls that sent them to you. And someone's like, look at this president. Like they'll be able to show all of that. They'll be able to look and see anytime you said, I believe in capitalism, there will be a record of it. And at that point, capitalism will be viewed like it's evil. That means you believe in like the the domination of rich white males because they're the ones that win under capitalism. And like, you're going to lose, right? Like, I guess I I don't not pessimistic about it. I just think that we are holding on to this hope that we can win this war that has really already been lost. The only thing we can really do is prepare for like where we're going and try to get as many people off the Titanic as we, as we possibly can. Freaking A. I I completely agree with that worldview. Um, Again, wasn't expecting that. I look forward to getting your book. I know a lot of the guys in the chat are talking about it too. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and wonder if you know exactly what Matt's doing here, but this is right in line with everything we're doing and the culture we're trying to change from the inside out, from our families first. So um, just appreciate you spending this time with us. Thanks for that. I did not know that, but that's good to know. And no, you are. My, my likelihood of getting canceled just decreased hearing that. <laughs> Dude, we are, uh, you are in in uh, good company. I should say we're in good company. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, Robert, Jeffrey, and I promise we'll, we'll shut down the questions unless you make sure you can uh, have your night there, sir. Please, Robert, go ahead, sir. And that was a, a hell of a monologue. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's amazing to hear somebody say it out loud that the enemy has got us by the gadgets. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, it's It's true. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share your knowledge with us. We appreciate it. Uh, my question to you is a little bit different. Uh, the enemy is the tax man, and I'm finding myself in a situation that's a little different than uh, normal. Uh, I'm in the process of building out a, a new corporate headquarters, and I'm in an area where I, I'm, I'm at a knowledge disadvantage. And I know that puts me in a position where I'm going to end up paying potentially a lot more in taxes. So my question to you is, can you speak to best practices with respect to using your business as a vehicle for real estate investment, like building a headquarters, or can you point me to some resources because I'm in, I'm operating pretty, uh, pretty blind. Well, you're sort of standing on a plank and the pyre behind you's got the sword and they're poking you forward and you're running out of room every year. So Correct. the strategy has been you play the accelerated depreciation game, which I won't go too far into the details of that. But basically, you buy a lot of, of real estate or a high dollar amount of it and you put as little down as you have to put down, which means you're going to take on a lot of debt. But the positive side is that you can write off the depreciation of that real estate in the first year or the second year, rather than taking it over a 27 and a half year period, or if it's commercial, a 38 year period. So if you buy a $10 million property, let's say that that means you get to write off $800,000 of of loss. And if you are what's considered a full-time real estate professional um, under the tax code, you can write off the income you made through real estate against the property that you bought. Normally you only can write out the income the property made against the depreciation. But if you're if you fall under the real estate professional status, they sort of let you commingle those two things. So you could make what's that? I definitely do not I definitely do not fall under that category. I, I well, the good news I, is the bad news is you don't fall under it. The good news is everyone else isn't falling under it either because they're starting to change that to where now they're not going to let you take all the depreciation in year one. They're scaling that down every year. So what I'm getting at is your options of avoiding taxes are getting harder and harder. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't have an answer myself to what I'm going to do with this whole thing. Uh, And I think that it's probably part of a bigger perspective that 
if you're making money, I don't know how do I don't know how I want to put this. Like, there's not going to be any sympathy for the people that are wealthy. Mm. Okay. And I just don't understand why we treat wealthy people like that because they figured something out. We don't go to people that have a six pack and say, that's not fair. How come you get a flat stomach and I don't? In fact, it's so, I need equity. I'm going to liposuction fat off of that guy and I'm going to stick it onto this guy that worked really hard to get that six pack because it's not fair that he was born into a family that had better dietary issues or whatever. But we do it with money because it's very easy to transfer money from one person to another. So the logic becomes like very easy to make of why I should take it from A and I can give it to B when it just so happens that B is going to vote for me if I'm giving them more of this money, right? That's really what's happening when you tax someone and create a social program is you're moving resources from someone that earned them to someone that didn't. And then you're you're coincidentally getting votes from all the people that you gave those things to, right? Which is sort of at a bigger level, how we've ended up in the political situation that we're at right now in the country. Like people just think I'm voting for what is best for me, not I have values and I'm going to vote according to those values. Okay. So I don't have a practical answer for what you can do. I can tell you guys that that it does make sense if you can get out of a W-2 earning position and get into a 1099 one. I talk about that in Pillars of Wealth, that you can take things that you use in life anyways, and they become business expenses. So they become a form of a write-off. Okay. If I'm a W-2 worker, I need a car to get to work. Maybe they let me write off like some miles or something like that. But if I'm a 1099 worker and I need a car to get to work, I can write off the entire car. That's a business expense, but I'm going to have to have a car anyways. Right. Same thing with meals. Same thing with, with vacations. Like, am I in the Smokies right now working or vacation? Everything I do is always both. But it becomes a write-off because I'm a real estate professional and I'm here looking at properties that I bought and I'm planning on starting a property management company and I'm a real estate agent. So there's a lot of arguments I can make very easy for why this was a business trip, right? I try to make it so everything in my life is some type of business-related activity so I can write all of it off. You don't have that option if you're a W-2 person. Now, I don't think that they'll let us get away with this for long either. I think at a certain point, they're going to figure that out. They're going to be like, nope. You don't get to write these things off as a 1099 worker. They're going to restructure the tax code. It's like we're on a slip and slide to socialism right now. And I hate it, but I it's just happening. And I've, I'm just like, it's one of those comforting lies that like, I believe we could turn it around as opposed to no, just ex- accept that's where you're going and do everything you can to get the most out of it you can right now and be mentally and, and physically and mentally and uh, emotionally prepared for what it's going to be like to live in a socialistic country. Because you're not going to prevent that. Now, hopefully it doesn't happen soon. I'm not saying I think in two years this is going to be the case. But like, look at the kids of today's generation, okay? Are they going to become stalwarts for capitalism versus all the ones that are on TikTok that are having their brains poisoned into hearing that capitalism is evil and racist and it benefits certain people over others, right? Like, you're not going to win that battle. You can't, The numbers are already on their side, okay? So as far as what you're trying to do, uh, if you can qualify as a real estate professional, you have elements of depreciation that you can shelter. I think at, in 2024, it'll be 60% of the depreciation can be used. It used to be 100%. They're scaling it down by 20% every single year. You're probably not going to be long-term able to shelter taxes based off of your income, but you can take the things that you're buying and run them underneath your business and you can write off that stuff. How about improvements to land and building supplies like is that, can you write that off? I, I don't know. I, I always run that stuff by my CPA, but here's the question to ask him. Don't say, can you do it? Say, how would I have to structure this so that I could do it? Make them think about it. And if your CPA is like, uh, you know, I don't really know. You need a new one. 
most they're they're w2 workers like everyone else i I say w2 i don't mean literally that i mean it's like a mindset you get in which how do i do the least work possible to get the most money possible like you're trying to find people that aren't like that you're trying to get people to think if i was in your position what would i do and now they can use their big nerd cpa brain to actually solve the problem rather than how do i just run you through a funnel that's easy for me 100 percent. thank you yeah fingers crossed for you one of the things, Robert, and I shot you a direct message in there, but I think this too, um, I want to introduce um, David. You know, one of the questions here, man, is from me before we even go, you know, and I know we got one more, Jeffrey, I still see you. Um, but it was going to be like, how can we best support, not just where can I send everybody to follow? No, like, how do we support you? How do we support you going on again? You're speaking to, you're speaking to, uh, we are the same, we are the same mindset. We are the same kind of people here. Um, but one of the things that um, I think we can do that I would love to do is I'd love to connect you with a, a friend of mine, Sean Briscoe. You guys know who Sean is. Robert, I shot you a direct message. Sean is the entire month 11 for us, you guys. Um, and I'm talking ridiculous financial education. One of the things that we are at least betting on to try to hedge our bets with all of this craziness that I agree with david is is going on is by getting into the same tax system again two tax systems in this country gentlemen 1040 is what almost everybody is in 1041 was created for some of these politicians some of these people that are pushing some of these agendas that are less than savory some of these people who have come into and been spending the time as these people in our cities waiting for a takeover well part of what they've done is they've created a separate tax system for them as well um and we're going to have the 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 education around that. That's part of how we're going to try to hedge our bets a little bit. Um, and so, Robert, I want to get you um, in contact there too because um, there are strategies there where every there are strategies there where with the right systems, even paying your mortgage is a business write off. Even paying, even going and getting toilet paper at Costco is a write off for my for for my family. Um, you know, in the trust structure that we have. So um, there are you know. I don't think anything's foolproof, but there's a lot of really good strategies there. So we'll talk about those. Much appreciate, sir. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. And last but not least, Jeffrey. Awesome. Thank you. I think I found the unmute button. Um, appreciate it. Dave, thanks for being here. I've uh, been a fan for a while. Uh, really happy with where this conversation went. Um, I love the insights and the depth you provided. Really appreciate that. You know, you mentioned uh, one of my favorite books, Changing World Order. And I think there's some similarities there with uh, the, the fourth turning. And I think as as we're looking at closing, you know, we're at midway through this point here, this this decade here, and we're, you're touched on some of this, the slippery slope towards socialism. But like, you know, how are you looking at coming through this uh, on the other side, uh, being prepared, you know, setting and maybe more so for for people, you know, not at your level, not at your position. How can they set themselves up to to have or to have access to, you know, dry powder to be able to come through this in case there is a situation where we do kind of get a Goldilocks where they do drop rates so they can sustain the debt on the national debt, things like that, you know, put us back in a position where it's maybe coming out of 08 or 09 um, and be able to ride that wave again. Yes, they will drop rates. And you you hit it on the head when you said they have to, because if you guys don't like, if not super into economics, the, the gist of it is the government has a really big credit card balance because we spend more than we make. Okay. So the government has to pay interest on their own debt. And when they raise the rates like they have, they're raising their own interest payments on their own debt. 
which makes it grow even bigger. Now, they've been able to get away with that because most people don't care what the government debt is. They just care about like, it's just like as a kid, you don't really care if your parents are in credit card debt. You just want the Sega Genesis for Christmas that year. Or you just want the Fortnite skin, whatever the kids want, right? We sort of have that relationship with our government. Like I'm the child and you're the parent and you give me what I want, not you work for me. We are the parent and the government is meant to serve our needs. Like it's been completely flipped around and there's a lot of reasons why people could get into that, right? But basically more people have come into the country and more people have been raised in the country to adopt the attitude of, I want the government to give me something versus where we are, where it used to be, okay? Uh, shoot, where was I going with that whole? Yes, they are going to raise rates. When they do though, I don't think it's gonna be like, oh man, there's a bunch of opportunity to get these great properties. There's blood in the water. I, I don't think that's going to happen. You're just gonna see the property prices skyrocket. Right. Like, if you guys want to understand what makes uh, an asset of any kind, whether it's a baseball card, whether it's real estate, whether it's a car, go up or down, you, you can't look at the details like the interest rate or the economy. Just look at supply and demand. How much of there is it and how much do people want it? Okay. There was a period of time where everybody wanted cryptocurrency, but they didn't have a lot of it. So it got very expensive because demand was higher than supply. Then what they do is they print more of said cryptocurrency, which makes the supply go up higher than the demand, which means the price goes down. But when people see that they like made more of it, what they'll think is that must mean it's valuable, so then more people want it. And you get this thing where they're both going up at the same time, which is what we call a bubble. Okay, uh, Real estate, there is a supply that is hard to make more of. This is why it typically holds its value. You can't just inflate like you can make a whole bunch of dollars. You can make a whole bunch of baseball cards. If they made a bunch of the, whatever the Mickey Mantle tops card is, that they made a bunch of them, the value of it would go down. Real estate's hard to do that with because you actually have to put effort and energy into it. That's one of the reasons the Robert Kiyosaki's of the world and the George Gammons support gold because it's hard to get it. That's really what makes it valuable. It's not really useful in a lot of ways. It's more like to get that shit out of the ground and it, it takes so much energy and investment and time that you can't really inflate it that much. Okay, but like with currency, you can. That's one of the reasons real estate does well with inflation. It's hard to make a bunch of it. If they figure out how to do 3D printed houses, that could change everything. Everything we're talking about, in the snap of a finger, they could just print it really quick. Then what would happen is the real estate that's valuable is the stuff in the best locations. You can't recreate the ground. You can't recreate the area where the view that it has, right? So in my investing, when I'm thinking this way, I'm like, yeah, it may not be the best cash flow. It may not be the ego where, oh, I bought it for way less than what it appraised for, like some people want to hear. But if it's in a better location that you can't replicate very easily, that's the one that I want to own. Really, guys, just invest in anything that's hard to replicate, which is why your own personal growth, your own confidence, those are currencies that are always going to be valuable, right? As opposed to like, what's the easy way? Should I buy Ethereum or should I buy dog Dogecoin or whatever the case is? Like, it's why those things don't work because they're too easy to manipulate, just like dollars are easy to manipulate. So I would expect that they're going to raise rates or sorry, they're going to lower rates at a certain point because the next president's going to want to make it look like he's the savior, right? But what that will mean is that everything becomes expensive, Okay, like they've raised rates this much. Is food less expensive? Not really. Is gas less expensive? Well, it became less expensive when I left California and came here. That's kind of incredible. But when I go back, I'm sure I'll be walking right back into $6, $6 a gallon gas or wherever it is, right? Like in general, you want to be looking for something that is very difficult to replicate and not worrying as much about uh, 
the market or uh, the interest rates. Basically, with supply and demand, what we saw was that we had very little supply and a ton of demand. Okay, so real estate was very expensive because there's not enough of it. Then when they lowered rates, or sorry, when they raised rates, that lowered the demand to buy it a little bit. But there's still such a damn gap that like it's not so much that people aren't going to buy it. And there's so much money that's been printed that there's rich people that are like, I'll put 40% down, I'll put 50% down. It'll cash flow for me. It's just not going to cash flow for you with your measly 10% or your 20% down. Or you have companies like BlackRock, another one, like you were just, if you want to pay attention to what's going on, pay attention to them that has so much money, they can lend it out at incredibly low rates, which means if you want to get their money at low rates, they now have power and control over you and you're going to have to do what they say. And BlackRock is one of the companies behind these ESG scores that you hear. Whenever we hear about a company like Bud Light that does something stupid or uh, what was the other one that just happened? Target, right? And we're like, why the hell would they do that when it pisses everyone off and their stock prices go down? They're not dumb. They're not dumb at all. They know, yeah, we're going to lose money temporarily, but we didn't piss off Godzilla over there. They will allow us to continue operating as they're taking up more and more power because we played by their rules, which is like the ESG. And I think the DEI is the other one. I don't remember exactly, but you guys understand the concept behind that, right? Like that is a sign that they are going to take over. They haven't done it yet. They're not openly declaring war because there's still enough conservative mindsets that would fight back against that. Like you saw what happened. People were like, well, we're not going to shop at Target then if that's what they're going to do. Give it 10 more years. 10 more years of TikTok telling all of the kids that this is how the world's supposed to work and that it's the evil conservatives that tell you that grownups shouldn't have sex with kids. 10 more, 15 more years of that. You're going to see the word pedophile is going to be considered like unpolitically correct to say, and you're going to have to refer to them as a name that isn't as mean or isn't as judgmental. You're going to see this whole movement where sex should never have been a moral thing. It's just like shaking hands. It's like giving someone a hug. And so you shouldn't. So that means like, just like grownups can hug kids. Grownups can have sex with kids. And I, I know this sounds crazy with where we are right now, but it happened to the Greeks the most famous nobles in the, in uh, when Greek was at its height, all had young boy lovers. And it, it, it like the same spirit that motivated mankind then can motivate it now. So I know we're getting away from your question about money, but just, I, I guess we're still trying to figure out like, how do I out strategize so I can build more wealth? And I'm glad you're thinking that way. I just would like to thinking also like that wealth will do you no good if someone just comes and takes it from you, which very well like could happen. Or if they flip to a central bank digital currency and completely implode the system, right? Um, well, I mean, but- have you guys, have you heard about in the Bible when it talks about the mark of the beast? You guys, people familiar with that concept, right? Basically, the Bible warns there will be a time where if you want to engage in buying and selling like commerce in the world, you will have to take this mark, okay? And like, there's been all these theories about what it could be. Is it a barcode? Is it going to be a tattoo or something like that? It very well could be a chip that they put inside of your head or your hand, because it says it's going to be in your forehead or it's going to be on your palm, right? Where you scan something to buy it. And that if you if there's a central digital currency, like you're saying, you have to agree to play by the rules of that government if you want to use it. And if they make it against the law to sell to anybody or to buy anything from somebody that doesn't use that currency, right? You now can decide who's in vogue and who's out of vogue based off of the comments that they made or the things that they've said or the beliefs they have. And they can't they can't force you to think anything, but they can really put the screws to you to get you to think the way that they're going to want to think. Right. So 
I'm at a point where I'm just recognizing like, how do I prepare myself so that when that happens, I don't take the temptation of wanting to just give in and get along and have the easier life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, brother, this is, uh, I I'm with you, Maddie. I'm with you, man. I love, I love having all, I mean, we get to talk with amazing human beings every single week and I love the debriefs and I love it, but man, David, I'm telling you, you are speaking to, uh, you're preaching to the choir right here, brother. So grateful, dude. So great. So realistically, what can we help with? Is it telling people about the book? Is it giving people follows? Is it, how do we support you and, and all freaking ways, truly always. I run a group called Spartan league. So if you guys bump into somebody who's like interested in real estate investing, just tell them to visit spartanleague.com and maybe like, send them to my YouTube channel or something like that. So they can get a feel for if they like my personality. Um, and other than that, just what can you do to push the kingdom forward? Right. Cause someday we're all hopefully as much of us as possible, we're going to be on the other side talking about when we had these conversations and we're going to see everything clearly that we didn't see in the moment. Right. And I'm going to want to know that like, whatever I said, inspired you or motivated you or encouraged you to go put your mind off on the same things that I'm thinking about. And that, uh, it's like, it's the best, like a uh, multi-level marketing reward in the world. Right. Cause like whoever we influence, we are going to be rewarded for the good works that they did. And then the people that they influence. Right. So there's a guy named Michael Heiser. Uh, he recently passed away a couple months ago, biblical scholar, really good teacher. I would highly recommend that you guys check out his book, the unseen realm. Mm. His last name is H-E-I-S-E-R. You can find a ton of stuff about this guy on YouTube. If you just Google Michael Heiser, he did a bunch of podcasts. He's written some books. Very dry guy, but very smart. And he basically talks about how so much of the Bible that we've been taught from the churches that we grew up in, like myself, uh, the lens they're teaching it from is, is an American lens. Okay. It's like, this is how I understand this thing. So I'm going to interpret it from that. And he goes back to the Jew reading it would have understood it this way. The Jew reading it would have understood this word first came about at this time in this context. And here's what was happening at that context, which makes many of the things that you read that just didn't make sense. They start to come alive to make a lot more sense. Right. And, uh, I think that as more and more people, recognize that the stuff we're seeing in the economy right now, in the political culture right now, in the popular culture and the values of our culture right now has happened over and over and over throughout time that this is a very common thing. And like, it's somewhat predictable how it's going to go. And there are things you can do that will make sure that you are the victor. And there are things you can do that make sure you're aligning yourself with the one who will be defeated. And it's not always worth taking that bait. Like we talked about earlier, um, I think many of you will start to get like a sense of peace that you're going to need because you're just seeing the weight of the negativity and like the direction that things are going. Sometimes that could just feel overwhelming to me. Like like when I, when that movie, the sound of freedom came out, right. And like everybody saw what was happening with, with human trafficking. That was what I saw in law enforcement, like every month. And I didn't understand why we let these guys live. Like what, (laughs) How how are these guys even getting like, why is it not the death penalty for this type of thing? When you see what they're doing to the kids and you see how much money they're making from doing, you see the arrogance that they have in doing it. I didn't understand how so many people in our country could just like, oh, that's really sad. What happened to little Susie? Oh. But if it was your kid, you wouldn't be saying it's really sad. If it was your kid, you'd be like, I will hunt them down like a dog and leave them in a ditch somewhere. I would never allow this to go down, right? 
it, that just sort of opened my eyes to the fact that we're already in enemy territory. The, 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 the gates have been opened and the enemy's already there and they're already influencing the culture and the things people believe by such a huge degree that we will, that if you were the one that tried to step in and stop this from happening to little kids, they'd call you a vigilante and they'd go put you in jail. You'd be the bad guy versus the people that are doing it, which we're being said to have compassion on it for. So if you're not a spiritual person, I hope that like you just give that a second thought. That's a good book to read. It's a good thing to look into. Um, the thoughts we think, the emotions that we feel, it's all, we're not autonomous. We are influenced heavily by things that happen in a, in a spiritual manner. And realizing that that's going on is like the first step. And then getting around other people who see it a little more clearly than you and learning from them would be a great way to move forward. Brother. Oh, yeah, I don't even I don't have any I don't have anything. I don't have anything else I can even add, man. I'm I'm so grateful. So grateful, man. We uh I'm gonna connect you to Sean just just because I want to be able to help in that regard. He's another amazing guy. He's very much of our mindset. He's an absolute ninja on that side. So I want to do that just um just because I think there's some some value there and some conversations. But man, I just wanna um let me know when you're freaking out here. Come over. All right. Yeah, I think I'm going to be visiting Greenville after Hawaii. I'm going there for a couple months, and I was going to go check out Greenville and see what I thought about it. I'm an hour from Greenville, man. Let yeah, I think know. I texted you to ask you what your opinion was, and then yeah. just check that surrounding area. Yeah. I'm an hour, dude. I'm an hour from Greenville. So when you get out here, let me know when you're going to be here, man. I'll, I'll head down and, and meet you wherever you're at, man. But uh, yeah, let's keep this conversation rolling, brother. Always. Well, thanks, guys. Great meeting you all. Sorry if you were disappointed. You didn't get more real estate information, I, but the good news is, like, if you just type David Green Real Estate, you'll see more stuff than you ever wanted to hear. I think it's far on the other side of disappointment, my friend. I think you got a bunch of fired up people that aren't going to go to bed tonight. You're the man. All right, guys. Talk to you, man. Thanks, everyone. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes. Boom. If you are enjoying this conversation, and I know I definitely did enjoy this conversation, um, then we're going to invite you to be a part of what we are doing with Apogee Strong. So we have got mentorship programs for men, for young men, for our ladies. Uh, and yes, we will have mentorship programs for the young ladies to come. But these are the types of conversations we have. These are the types of mentors we bring on. We have these types of conversations with these types of mentors every single week. So we invite you to become a part of what we're doing. Head to ApogeeStrong.com and check out the men's program, the women's program, the young man's program, and start getting on board with the mission of re-educating the entire family. That is how we win. That is how we get back to sovereignty. That is how we get back to freedom. And we are inviting you and your family to be a part of the conversation.